afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now, A Practical Path to Authenticity. This afternoon, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about how to use ancient shamanic techniques in a practical contemporary life. So I'd like to call in the ancestors, mine and those of our guest, Alan Davis, and those of everyone who is listening. We call out to those that bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. We call out to them to join us today, for it is on their shoulders that we stand. Let us reach up that line to the wisdom that lives in each of our ancestral pools and call that forward today that we may listen with wise ears and wise hearts and open to the conversation here today. We call out to the ancestors to be with us so that what needs to be said is said so that those who have questions can hear what they need to hear to take this teaching into their lives today. We call out to the energy of the earth, the most ancient ancestor, to be with us here today and to hold us to give us a sense of place, a sense of home, and a sense of belonging, that we may know that we are connected to each other in inexplicable ways, that we are energetically connected and one, and may the earth hold us well today in this conversation. We call out to the energy of the sky above to bring to us the blessings and generosity and protection that is true. It is the true nature of our universe. We call that energy down to inspire us here today, to warm our hearts and open our minds that we might listen in a good way. May the energies of above inspire good questions and great answers and all of the energy that goes with an open-hearted dialogue. And I call out to the energy of the heart itself, that magical place within each one of us that allows the passions of our true soul's purpose to merge with the clarity of our mind and our ability to dream and bring those energies together in the heart that we might know how to act today in a way that brings out our true gifts to the world. So I call out to all of these energies to be with us here today, to hold us well, that what needs to be said might be said. And so with the spirits gathered around us, I welcome Alan Davis to our show here today. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Christina. And Alan's with us today to talk about shamanism and medicine. So for those of you that haven't had the pleasure of meeting Alan Davis, he is the medical director at Quinney, is that right? Mm -hmm. Rehabilitation Institute in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm-hmm. And he also practices core shamanism. Um, his Most of his training is through the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. He's also on the board of directors and president, isn't that correct, mm-hmm. of the um, Society of Shamanic Practitioners. So we have lots to talk about today. And um, for those of you who know, we are live, and you're welcome to call in or to send us emails with questions. Um, so before we even dive in with Alan, I just want to let everybody know that the Society of Shamanic Practitioners Conference is this June, the 18th to the 21st, at the beautiful retreat center called Menla in the Catskills. It's Menla Mountain Retreat, if you want to Google it, in the Catskills in uh, upstate New York. And if you want to go to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners website, it's shamansociety.org. Okay. So go ahead and Google away, everybody. And in the meantime, Alan, how did you, a successful doctor in the allopathic system, end up practicing shamanism? Well, for me, it was um, through my own personal experience and healing. Um, There was a time in my life when there was a lot of 
things that I really had worked on for many years, and I understood it in my head. Mm-hmm. I have incredible insight and had done a lot of personal work around my own personal issues, but I, I really couldn't get it on a heart level. It just, I couldn't take that leap, so it, I was stuck. And I had a person who said, you know, what do you really need? And I said, you know, I, I'm really put together in a way that something spiritual or mystical feels to me like a path that would get me through this instead of being stuck here. Mm-hmm. And um, the person referred me to a shamanic practitioner who happened to be a Ph.D. in social work. Um, who had studied shamanism for her dissertation, Sarah Cyphers, in Salt Lake City, where I live. And we started with um, some healing work. And in the process of receiving some healing work, I found the healing, you know, shamanic healing, very powerful. And that uh, was that tempted me to actually study some of the healing modalities and uh, that shamanism brings. And, and uh, as a physician, and uh, actually I'm an academic physician, I, I work at that Quinney Rehabilitation Institute, which is a community hospital uh, doing inpatient rehab for patients with medical disabilities, but I'm actually a uh, full-time academic professor at the University of Utah. Uh, I'm an associate professor there in the Division of Medicine and Rehabilitation. And I, you know, so to do something like this on a personal level is very normal for me. But in the academic world, it's sort of strange, particularly because I'm an MD, PhD, so I'm supposed to be the ultimate academic. Yeah, the brain guy. Yeah. Um, But nonetheless, uh, it didn't prevent me from doing my personal work. So can you remember from those experiences how, how, how it felt for things to suddenly shift into the heart or the spirit or whatever it was that you were experiencing that made shamanism feel like, oh, wow, this is different or this is what I was looking for or whatever it was? Well, what it really did for me was take it from um, a very cerebral insight approach to a very heartfelt approach. And, and it, wasn't, it dis- didn't disconnect the two, but by doing a lot more work on that emotional heart center, it allowed the two to really, you know, be connected and balanced rather than just all head. And, you know, anybody who's in academics is very, we all tend to be very cerebral. So then you made this leap from receiving the healing and feeling this heart energy moving, which is what you were looking for, mm-hmm. into starting to learn shamanic skills yourself. So you probably started with journeying and then... Exactly. And so, so how far did you go with that? Well, most of my initial couple of years of training were with uh, my one teacher, Sarah, um, learning journeying and learning some basic shamanic healing techniques from a core shamanic perspective, such as power animal retrieval, extraction work, and 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 learning the role of ceremony and rituals and developing um, a personal practice too you know something like a person would meditate i would journey i would i would do my my sitting 
but and it's sort of with a shamanic flavor. And so, so give us a, a sense of of what that personal practice looks like in the in the a day in the life of Alan Davis, MD, PhD. Well, of course, we're all a blend of all of our experiences, and you know, I've always been on some kind of a spiritual pilgrimage, and you know. Growing up in the 70s, it was I learned you know yoga and meditation and breath work and things like that. And having done my whole PhD on breath work, and you know, my personal practice looks like um, sit in a quiet place in nature, usually do some breathing breath work as a centering, calming thing. Um, connect with the spirits of the place that I'm at. Um, be in that moment. Um, and then look for some guidance on a daily basis for some of the things that I find you know, that are ongoing and sort of just in the moment. And I just usually it's uh, it's about I try to put in some time every morning with that, and uh, sometimes it's drumming and rattling and singing and dancing. And sometimes it's just very quiet. Um, but primarily it's all about centering and being um, in the moment and, and connecting with spirit and, and place. Beautiful. And, and journeying. You through- and journeying, of course. Journeying goes, goes without saying yes. So before we go too much further, because we never know who's actually listening today, because we always hope there's new people, why don't you um, take a minute and just define core shamanism for people? Sure. As you understand it. Yeah. Core shamanism um, was developed by Michael Harner, who's an anthropologist who who developed the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. Um, And what it is is he studied many shamanic cultures, and he took what is core to those cultures, what was a commonality across cultures, um, and sort of distilled it so that your average person who is not, in, is not indigenous could approach it. Um, for example, he found that a very common theme among indigenous cultures, shamans, was entering an altered state, going, you know, and and using audio drivers like drumming and rattling, dancing, singing, to be, to maintain your, to maintain you in an altered state and and consciously explore non-ordinary reality. And to do healing work and get answers to questions and in effect, what happens is, as an adept at that, you sort of put your ego aside and you go there with an openness, but your consciousness drives it. So that's one thing, being in an altered state to get information and do healing work. And also, there's a, you know, working with the spirits of nature, the spirits of a place, your own personal helping spirits. Those themes were very common. Um, and then he developed a curriculum that he t- that he and his faculty teach that are what he ha- considers the core shamanic practices. And those are first of all an intro course is learning how to journey, mm-hmm. and then and do divination work, which is basically you know getting answers to questions, um, power animal retrieval, 
which is someone has lost their personal power, bringing that back by going into non-ordinary reality, bring it back. Soul retrieval, which a person has lost some of their life essence, during, due, usually due to trauma, go track those soul pieces, bring them back. Um, what am I forgetting? Um, depossession work, which meaning, you know, the removal of intrusive spirits or entities. Um, extraction. Uh, extraction work, which is taking out um, intrusive energy in somebody's field. Um, and and then his advanced courses are a series of initiations to just take it to a deeper level. As well as, and then there's uh, working with the spirits of nature, psychopomp work, which is assisting people to death and dying. And that's pretty much the curriculum. Um, and what happens is, is particularly great. Does this mean? Go ahead. In America, where we are all cultural mutts. And uh, we really don't have our own history to guide us. So that's why it's been particularly helpful for people to find some of their own personal spiritual practice. Great. Well, thank you, Alan. Um, can you hear the music? Because I can't uh-huh. hear the music. Yes. Okay, well, that means we're going to break. And um, what we'll do when we come back is we'll start talking about how... Um, you began in your own life and and how it's happening around the country, really, of blending shamanism and medicine. Okay. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back, and we are live, so feel free to call in or send us an email with your questions. Welcome back, everyone. This afternoon we're talking with Alan Davis, MD, PhD, who, and our topic today is shamanism and medicine. So we just uh, defined core shamanism in our last segment, which actually was an answer to someone's question. It was weird. We were chatting about it a little bit in the break, and the question is really what does it really mean and why do we need to use the term? And I think one of the things I experienced um, teaching once, actually, at a, um, at a SSP conference, a Society of Shamanic Practitioners conference, was this person suddenly went, oh, I'm not studying shamanism. I'm studying Peruvian shamanism. You know, that realization, because people study a kind of shamanism and think they're getting the whole world of shamanism instead of realizing it's a huge global phenomenon. And what they happen to do in the Andes in Peru is not necessarily exactly what they'll do, well, frankly, in the rainforest in Peru or the plains. And so core shamanism, in my sense, is the beauty of giving it a name is we know that we're talking about that set of practices, just like Peruvian shamanism is talking about that set of shamanic practices. And it's all shamanism, but it's nice for us to all understand that there are there are cosmologies and ways of looking at shamanism through that cosmology. They're all lovely, but core shamanism is one of those, and thus the name. Thus, I think it's, personally, I think it's good it has a name. Um, so what we're going to talk about with Alan now is... So what happened, Alan, that moved you from this is beautiful for my personal practice to, hmm, how could I bring this into medicine or even the idea of actually bringing it into medicine? Because you're a nice, straight, as you said, academic, allopathic, MD guy. Well, what really happened for me was that there were opportunities to bring it into the hospital and at first, I, 
I was doing I was in the middle of a intensive workshop setting and I met another physician who was in this two week intensive training with me and I said gosh wouldn't this be incredible to do more of this in regular healthcare settings and you know as a physician I'm primarily a hospital based physician I don't have any kind of a private shamanic practice on the side so my healing work is in the hospital. I so we said, gosh, you know that that would be great. I wonder how many physicians there are out there that are already, you know, in doing these trainings. Physicians, nurses, other healthcare practitioner practitioners that are, you know, regular licensed healthcare practitioners working in traditional, you know, hospital and clinic settings that are wondering how can they make that leap of bringing their, what is for many of us, a personal practice into a hospital or clinic setting. And so I had a visioning uh, where I thought, you know, why don't we get a conference together, or a real full-on medical conference, to uh, see who's out there and bring, uh, bring them together, see physicians, nurses, healthcare people, um, and try and begin the process of helping people integrate it. I mean, the first thing that you realize uh, as a you know, healthcare practitioner is that, boy, if you're you know you're you're really alone out there when it comes to doing esoteric spiritual healing in these settings. So one of the motivations was just to not be alone, and another was that it's very powerful and and it would be it would really augment traditional healthcare because. Our healthcare system right now is very is, is very technical, and uh, most healthcare practitioners, doctors, nurses, psychologists, we are trained to be technicians. We are really trained to look at, to collect our data, you know, to you know ask the right questions, to make a proper label on it, and then dispense the proper treatment. And it's so it's very you know we're really you know very sophisticated technicians, and that leaves out sort of the spiritual part of healing, which is, you know, if you do any kind of real, you know, heart-based healing, you realize that that's got an incredible power, and I'm, I'm one for, for bringing the, everything to a person because, of course, that's my background, and so I thought, you know, to, to, I would really like to see spiritual healing in a hospital setting. And because I'm interested in shamanism, that would be the kind of spiritual healing that I would bring into it. So we had a series of conferences over um, three years that were sponsored by the Foundation for Shamanic Studies and the journal Alternative Therapies in Health and Medicine. And give people a sense of how many people showed up at those conferences. We had an average of 100 people every time. And it was a real blend of... It was some physicians and some nurses and some massage therapists and some psychologists, and it was really a blend of people. And then there were some people that are just shamanic practitioners that really wanted to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was it was a lovely thing. Every it, it was a very happy experience because people realized that they're not alone, and that allowed people to share, you know, what they're doing, you know, where, you know, how do they blend it. In, mm-hmm. in the hospital setting. Well, give us an example of how you do. Well, so in the initial, you know, when I first did my training, 
and I wanted, and I was, you know, my first experiences were very much, um, okay, I learned it this way, I have to follow the choreography. Um, so I would, what happened was in a hospital, I take care of patients that have major medical disabilities like strokes and spinal cord injuries and brain injuries and, and big traumas. Um, and so they are functionally unable to go home without a, a big rehab program. And it is very holistic. You know, there's a whole team of people that work with the person to try and get them at their maximum functional level and, and give them some quality of life back. And every once in a while, there would be one of the patients that I would just, this gut feeling or nudge from spirit would say, you really should offer some additional healing work to this person. Mm-hmm. So when when I, you know, if, as a hospital-based physician, I would be at the bedside every day, and every day I would get the little nudge, and finally I would I would stop refusing the little nudge, and I would say, you know, there there is an element of what you're going through that sounds like it's a very profoundly spiritual experience that could possibly benefit from some spiritual healing, and just so you should know, in addition to being your doctor. I do some spiritual healing. And if you would like to explore that, just let me know, and we can do that together. And that would be pretty much all I would say. And if they said, if they then next saw me and said, you know, Doc, I think I was thinking about what you said, and I would like to, uh, to explore that with you. And, and then, they'd, then they'd want to know what's it look like, you know, what would be the choreography, what would, it, what would we go through. And so you said in the beginning you were really sticking with the choreography. So how has this evolved? Because it's been, what, a decade? I mean, it's been a lot of years. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, you know, any any specific, what, whoever trains you, you really sort of try, try and follow the book in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and for me, core, shaman, core, core shamanism, you know, is there, it takes away a lot of the trappings, you know, the, the bells and whistles and feathers and, you know, all of that stuff. Core shamanism strips most of that away because it's not authentic to our typical American culture. Mm-hmm. So that made it easier. But still, there was, even in, even the minimalist, using a drum or a rattle, listening to a CD, you know, cert, you know, putting your hands on the patient, thing, you know, some things you have to really consider, you know, what's appropriate in the setting you're in. You know, I work in a hospital setting. There's a patient in a bed. Sometimes there's a patient in the next bed. And so coming dressed up in my costume with my, you know, chimes and bells and, and drums, yeah, they're in the beginning, yep, I, and sometimes later on if it felt right, I would do it. But often, it, often you know, it, more recently, I would still have the discussion with the person and I would always invite them to have witnesses, family members and friends, and we would agree on what we wanted to work on. But, you know, the actual thing to watch was mostly it would just be me sitting next to them quietly by the bed. And for me, I would be going to do get work for their healing or information, and I would it would look like very little, me sitting quietly and then, Maybe get up and touch them on the head, sing over them, you know, touch their heart. And it would be very minimalist, which, which works very well in a hospital setting. 
So we have a nice question here from Martin, who is in Baltimore. And he his question is, when it comes to Western medicine and shamanic healing working together, specifically in the field of mental health and addiction, what are the leading institutions? Well, I can't say that there is any one leading institution on substance abuse that's using shamanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I am aware of some programs that have a very profoundly spiritual approach. I mean, 12-step programs mm-hmm. are very, you know, spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, with with uh, religion uh, removed uh, are, are great places to do shamanic work. Okay, good. Well, but, thank you. Um, but there is no one institution that is doing that. I know of one that's putting in for a grant, but I don't know of any one institution that I would say in the States. In England, I can, I can speak to that, but not for the States. Well, we'll talk about that when we come back from this break. And, yes, we are live. We're welcome to receive your calls and your email questions. And we thank you all for being with us here today talking about shamanism and medicine with Dr. Alan Davis. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Welcome back, everyone. This afternoon, we're speaking with Dr. Alan Davis about shamanism and medicine. And as we came out of the last section, we were talking about, um, well, there was a question about leading institutions, but we're just talking about the, the merging or the true integration of shamanism and medicine and the challenges in that in our, with our current contemporary allopathic healthcare system. And there are examples. Um, I don't know that there are any leading institutions, but we were just um, talking at the break about friends of ours. Um, can I remember Allie, um, Evelyn Reisdick and Allie Knowlton work in an integrated healthcare center, not necessarily the hospital, but an integrated healthcare center where they are truly integrated into the staff. There, this is in Maine, mm-hmm. and there are various places, various um, even hospital settings, but integrated clinics like this where they are endeavoring to figure out how to bring the shamanic healing in to the practice. And and actually, um, Allie and Evie shared an interesting story with me once when I was looking for examples for where things are integrated and what does that look like for a talk that I did at the American Holistic Medical Association conference. And their story was simply that a physician, um, a brain surgeon, actually, in the hospital. Now, they're a clinic, right, but there's a hospital, local hospital, was really struck by this man who had had a, had a, a complement of symptoms with a brain tumor, I think it was a brain tumor, that, that made it, he couldn't figure out what it was. It was like one of three things, but he had the particular range of symptoms that made it so that he couldn't pin down on what it was. And since they were talking about brain surgery, it really mattered that they got the diagnosis right. And he finally just threw up his hands and he asked them to journey on it. And they both journeyed on it separately and they shared with him essentially what they saw in the journey. And um, it had to do, I think one of them had to do with the shape of the tumor and the other thing had to do with something else. But they gave him enough information that he was able to diagnose which of the three situations the man really had and then to go into that surgery feeling confident and informed and once he was in, found that it was correct. So, I mean, it's a really beautiful story of, you know, what could actually be happening. Not that that's necessarily how their everyday is at work, but, you know, it's helpful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, 
Yes, there are places scattered around um, the whole United States, actually, where there are different degrees of integration from the, the simplest level, which is it's a hospital where there's a huge indigenous population. And so you have to let the healer of the community in to the hospital. Mm-hmm. There's no other way that person's going to get well. So there's that, which has actually been going on in places like the Four Corners area of the U.S. and, and anywhere near a reservation. That's been going on, actually, probably longer than anywhere else. And then you've got particular doctors who them who are themselves indigenous people and are integrating it that way. We have people like you who who come to it through your own healing work and begin to bring it in. But but the whole organ to to really organize the system and create a real comprehensive change is is fraught with challenge. It seems because I mean obviously it should already be happening and it's not. So, Alan, what do you think are some of the hurdles, just kind of a list of what you think the hurdles are that are keeping the integration from really moving where I think organically it would if we could just figure out how to get out of the way. Well, I mean, there's this, the, the main thing is that you know, we, we really pride ourselves in our present Western healthcare system as being research evidence-based. And for most esoteric healing techniques, and including shamanism, there has not been a lot of research. I, I'm personally involved in some research projects um, looking at using shamanic healing in specific conditions, um, but they, there's only been a handful of studies, to my knowledge, in the last five years that are really looking at shamanism in healthcare and physical conditions, you know, like... One study that was done on temporomandibular joint syndrome uh, at Kaiser Permanente in the northwest where you are um, showed some very strong positive results. Another study looked at uh, patient, patients that had heart attacks and uh, the, what the effect of teaching them their own personal shamanic practice did, and that resulted in an increased sense of hope. And, and I've most recently... Uh, completed a study on looking at the effect of soul retrieval in the Inca tradition on patients with multiple sclerosis, which was a pilot study, and I'm not sure if we got any profound results as far as lab tests and things, but from a qualitative quality of life, questions were very profound for the people. Well, part of the issue, I think, is that coming out of my own chemistry background in hard sciences our standards for scientific truth are just really hard to apply to anything, whether it's meditation or any of the body-mind technique practices, shamanism, you know, a lot of the different energy work. I mean, it's just hard to figure out how to study it and get what people would consider hard facts mm-hmm. in the in the current way of thinking about things. I mean, for me, one of my most profound days in chemistry class was the realization that facts are only the things we've learned how to measure. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that other stuff isn't out there. We just haven't figured out how to measure it well yet. Right. And measuring, you know, the mechanism of how these esoteric healing techniques, that is, that's a very profound challenge. But the, the level of studies that aren't so hard to do are, you know, what are people's outcomes? How are people's outcomes different when they have specific healing modalities applied to them. So that's one level. Another level is, you know, the hospital and clinics want licensed professionals. Um, and for the most part, you know, 
shamanic practitioners aren't like me. You know, the level of people like me who are licensed healthcare practitioners doing spiritual healing techniques, well, there you, you have an in already. You know, you, you can wear your clinical hat and blend that in and get away with it better, you know, as long as you give your very best healing on your professional level, you can blend that in and more or less you'll still be able to, you know, have good results. But, but the, one of the, the your average things... person, shamanic practitioner is a lay practitioner and, and the hospitals and clinics are, you know, number one, there's, well, how's it going to get paid for? Insurance for the most part does not pay for it. Secondly, they want everybody to be licensed, and uh, there's so many different paths to shamanic practitioner uh, uh, learning and training and experience uh, that that's not standardized. Um, well, there's, there's a couple things here that are really interesting when you're talking about shamans, though, because I know in my own experience, I certainly understood this whole thing about licensing, and several times in the first, I don't know, six to eight years of my practice, I tried to go to school and get a license in something just, you know, to to, to smooth that road out. Mm-hmm. And my helping spirits wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. You know, that would, I mean, I would just get slammed. I mean, they would just trash my life until I figured out that was not what they wanted me to be doing. And so that's another level of challenge some, some shamanic practitioners have to deal with is you have to go with what your helping spirits want. If they don't want you back in school getting a license, you can't go. Well, so I would agree. You know, so that's an interesting issue for some people. And then the other piece is, do we want human beings licensing shamans? I, and traditionally, that has always been something the spirit world did. And that is a really tricky issue when you start talking about shamans. Because, yeah. you know, as soon as you create a human system, there will, it, there will be politics. Politics and potentially a diluting of the real... Sure. Heart of shamanism. I, I'm personally not in, in favor of licensing shamanic practitioners because of that. Yeah, nor am I. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 I'm not in favor of standardizing everybody's training because so many people have gotten the prim- the biggest amount of their training from their helping spirits. Right. So you know who's going to judge the spirits? You know who are we? And right, do we and have I that teach kind a four-year course of training to came. be able to do that. Yeah, and I teach a four-year course of training straight from helping spirits. You know, the only right. way to judge it is does it work in your life? Exactly. You know, and I don't want someone else coming in and saying, "Well, that's not whatever." I mean, who who are they <laughs> compared to my helping spirits? Right. I mean, if if someone's worried about you know making money, mm-hmm. spiritual, and you know that's the other part of it is it's not something that is a you know a money maker for most people. That and, uh, you know, you don't go my... into spiritual healing because you want to make money. You do it because it's what's in your heart. Yeah. Well, and I, so it sounds to me that really, in the, in the simple sense, one of the biggest hurdles to actually creating what would be a natural blending, because in Kathmandu, for example, shamanic healing is blended in mm-hmm. to, to not only the medical system, but the religious system as well. It's all mm-hmm. blended. And, that, you know, that's a whole other bugaboo is how does, in America, how does shamanism blend with religion. Anyway, my point is just that the biggest issue is the current system. I mean, I think shamanism and medicine could actually blend quite easily and quite organically. It's just our current medical system has a lot of hurdles built into the system, but not necessarily into the desires of the practitioners and the patients. Exactly. 
you know, and, and I, and so for everybody listening, this is, I always try to give people one thing to do in every show. This is the one thing to do is you start asking your primary care practitioners for how do you get the spiritual healing that you need. And you know what? Meditating once a day in enough. You know, it's a beautiful thing to do, but that's not going to take care of all of your soul needs. Just like Alan said, you know, he was doing his work for years and needed something that would really engage his heart. There's a whole other world out there to deal with the healing of your soul and your heart that comes through these modalities that you're just not going to get through the current system. And you as patients, as the consumers of healthcare, need to start asking for more. Well, and that is what's driving it into hospitals and healthcare centers because once you once you just accept the fact that it's not that it's something that is just cash on the barrel, mm-hmm. then you realize, well, if people really want it and we offer it, well, maybe we'll get people to come and see our doctors and our other clinicians because we have that too. Well, Alan, thank you so much. All right, everybody, when we come back, we're going to need to talk about the SSP conference, the Society of Shamanic Practitioners, because we're running out of time. So um, we're still open for your calls and your messages, but we're going to shift gears for the last section of the show. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. So we're speaking with um, Dr. Alan Davis here today about um, shamanism and medicine, but we're shifting gears a little bit in this last section to talk for a bit about the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. So my understanding, Alan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is you did those several, I think there were three conferences with shamanism and medicine that we've already discussed, mm-hmm. and then that evolved into Society of Shamanic Practitioners somehow? How'd that happen? Yeah. I mean, we did the three years of conferences, and it, and it, and it looked like we needed to shift to something else. And we sort of had this fantasy once upon a time of, you know, having a, sh- you know, a, so- a shaman society for doctors and nurses and healthcare practitioners. But truthfully, we realized, you know, and this is Bonnie Horgan really is the one that um, really said, you know, we really need a, 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 an organization for shamanic practitioners, not just doctors or nurses interested in shamanism, but, you know, the whole of it, because we really want, we really believe that, you know, we are real healthcare practitioners and that we really have something special to offer. So it's a way for, you know, those those of us that are to meet each other again, because we don't want to, we, we're very, you know, most of us practice in isolation. And so, yes, that's exactly, it developed right out of that with a core group of people, um, Bonnie Horgan, Sandra Ingerman, and and some of us that were the core group of physicians from the medicine, Shamanism and Medicine Conference, and then some other um, people like Tom Cowan. I'm sorry, I'm not remembering everybody. Well, and and Ed Tick, who's actually already been on this show and will mm-hmm. be on this show. By the way, everybody, we're going to do a couple more segments with Ed and his War and the Soul work um, mm-hmm. working with post traumatic stress with vets. Um, Next month, we're going to do yeah. more shows with that next month. So, so for those of you that haven't found the Society of Shamanic Practitioners website yet, which is shamansociety.org, the mission, the simple mission is the SSP is an alliance of people deeply committed to the reemergence of shamanic practices that promote healthy individuals and viable communities. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. <laughs> so, um, so what is it that you hope the um, Organization as to, to make an organization. What are you hoping do, making that organization can can create? 
I mean, no less than shifting consciousness in the world. We really, we really want to, you know, a present contemporary Western society is is so so mechanistic in its thinking um, that it's just the spiritual life uh, is really not well integrated. Everybody sort of pigeonholes their life. I got my religion. I got my spiritual practice. I got my work, but it's not blended. And truthfully. Uh, we're really hoping for a reemergence of consciousness on a level that really is fully integrates the spiritual. Because from my perspective, we're spiritual beings in a physical body having an incredible experience here, but we've sort of forgotten our roots. You know, in our personally, uh, culturally, societally, uh, politically, uh, particularly in very blended contemporary Western culture. And, so the uh, SSP offers many things. There's um, a UK branch and a Canadian branch. Are there any other branches? Yeah, I think that's all. Right. Well, we we have we have a conference in the states and we have a conference in England. The the conference in Canada is not actually an uh, SSP conference, but there is a there is a we have some regional groups of mm-hmm. uh, active members up in Canada and the northeast of the United States. Um, where people get together and you know have smaller smaller uh, regional meetings, mm-hmm. but the uh, the conference itself, we go back and forth from one coast to the other. This year it's going to be on the east coast, and the conference is a is a four day event, a Thursday through a Sunday, um, where practitioners and other people that are just you know interested in shamanism come to one be together. That's a huge reason for just being there. Um, be together and just be in each other's presence in a beautiful place. And Menla Mountain Retreat up in the Catskills, it's actually very close to Woodstock, is is a, just an ideal setting. It's a Buddhist retreat center um, in the Catskills, very woodsy. And we and what we do is we have we have a full-on program with lots of different things going on concurrently. And Shorter workshops of four hours, or uh, four shorter workshops of a couple hours, and longer workshops of a half a day. And every night we have an evening ceremony. So people that come from, say, a core shamanic perspective, you know, maybe they want to try out some um, some other kind of indigenous shamanism, like a, something Celtic or something South African shamanism. So everybody can have a taste of other things, and then every evening we get together for a big ceremony, which is usually a very profound experience, and and just it's just a great it's a great time together, and everybody leaves feeling very filled up. And so this year, in particular, actually is featuring South African shamanism. Last year it was the Shipibo people from. Mm-hmm. We usually have uh, some indigenous um, shaman come. Um, you know, we all we all admire the person with the you know that bright light coming out of their eyes, and we want to we really want to have that experience ourselves. And so we typically have some indigenous shaman, and, and this year we have South African shaman who will be um, leading us in our morning circle um, and doing a ceremony with us. A dream, a, you know, inducing a dream ceremony, and then we'll get together the next morning and work with that. Um, and he'll also be doing healing work for attendees that would like that. And what else is unique and special about this conference this year? Well, I think this year's conference is got a flavor 
a little bit different than last year. First of all, we seem to have a uh, you know, a fair amount of ex- um, experience of um, some Celtic shamanism is a little bit more featured this year. Um, we're going to spend a good amount of time out on the land because it's just such a perfect place to do work on the land. Um, and so, uh, I think that one of the other things that's, uh, that we've never done before is we're going to have continuous drumming from the start of the conference on Thursday until the end of the conference on Sunday where we'll have pairs of people drumming as a, as a couple um, Every two hours, it will switch from to a new set of drummers, but we will keep that continuous beat going from the start to the end as a way of holding the space and putting a prayer to um, our conference. That's beautiful, Alan. So for everybody, if you know how to journey, you are welcome at the conference. And actually, you're welcome at the conference, even if you don't know how to journey. But I'm just letting you all know, those of you that only know how to journey and haven't done anything like this, it's a wonderful introduction to shamanism in in many different flavors. There's no reason to think you can't go to this conference because you're not a practitioner. And so, again, the website for signing up for the conference is shamansociety.org. And I just got a really beautiful email that I'd like to share in closing here, Alan. This is from a woman named Julie up in Seattle, and... Um, she says that I want to thank you for having this conversation today. I recently had an interesting experience dealing with shamanism and Western medicine. For the past 10 years, I've been suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome as well as multiple unexplainable symptoms, including tingling. She's been a really severe neurological thing that no one could explain. After several years of visiting physicians all over the country, including the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, um, um, Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I eventually spoke with a shamanic healer. She heard my story and thought I might have been cursed. Having worked in, all, in countries all over the world, her advice resonated with me. Just a week or so ago, I visited a shamanic practitioner with expertise in removing curses, and the tingling has dis- disappeared. I realize I'm singing to the choir, so to speak, but I am so grateful for those of you who can walk the tightrope between Western medicine and shamanism. You are making an amazing difference. Thank you. Mm. Oh, that's sweet. So we'll close on Julie's words. Thank you very much, Julie. And thank you, Alan, for being with us here this afternoon. Thank you, Christina. Um, It's been lovely. Hopefully we'll have you back. I want to thank the Energy of the Ancestors for being with us here today, that we might say things that hopefully are useful to people in the world here today. We thank the Energy of the Earth and the Sky for holding us well and the Energy of the Heart that unites us all. And for any information about me, healing work with me, or even the book, You can get me at lastmaxcenter.org. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Alan.